I'm just trying to change the world here, people. Oh, really? Facebooking and the tweeting and the Instagramming, all that would not exist without our understanding of science. So it's amazing that you do that as an insult. You mean true for you is different from true for anybody else. Have yeah, to come to absolutely, you. because I can't think either got to be true or not. I can't, no, no. Good evening, and welcome back to Really Radio. This is number 158, recorded Friday, June 30th. Yeah, that's the one. 2017, where we dismantle the current events for your entertainment through mostly rational conversations that make you go, oh, really. I'm your host, Andy Cowan, back with my usual but long-lost co-host, Amber Besecker. Welcome back, Amber. How are you? I'm all right. That's good. Yeah. That's good. You've been busy. I have. What have yes. you been what have you been up to that has kept you from us for so long? Oh gosh, um a lot of writing mostly. Um working out some new stuff with uh, my mailing list, getting some uh readers who would like to get a look at my books before anybody else gets the chance to. Ooh. Um giveaways all kinds of shit. Did you hear <laughs> that folks? Free stuff. Amber gives mm-hmm. away free stuff. I do. I've given away Oh my gosh, let me take a look at how many in this current giveaway I've done. Um, 2,995 books is how many I've given away in the last two weeks. Wow, that's that's a lot of books. It is, yeah. So are, are you getting any feedback as to whether or not those books are being read? Because um, I know the Kindle thing does some of that and... Right. That's kind of um, how you get paid, but does it work on the free ones? Well, I, what I'm doing is I'm offering uh, free books through a service called Book Funnel, where um, they it's like a, a like a one stop shop for because Amazon doesn't really have uh, great integration with trying to give anyone anything for free. <laughs> yeah, um, they kind of lack on that, I suppose. <laughs> so, Book Funnel basically you upload your books files. Um, you upload the Mobi, which is Kindle specific, the EPUB, which is like for the Nook, um, the iPad, stuff like that. Um, you upload those and it's like the readers, regardless of what device they have, click on one link. It asks them what they want. Do they want the one for Kindle? Do they want the one for the other devices? And then it sends them the books for free. Wow. Um, okay. So – what it doesn't do is it because it's not like affiliated with Amazon in any way, it doesn't actually track like my pages read or anything like that. Um, what I can tell you is that I've seen a major uptick in both sales and pages read on Amazon itself since I started the giveaway. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, correlation, of course, does not equal causation. But right. we can kind of read the tea leaves, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's kind of been an interesting phenomenon. And I think one of the reasons why is because I'm in a couple different giveaways right now. Um, and depending on what the people running those giveaways would let me do, I either offered all of my books or some of them. And so I think in the ones where I only offered the first book in the series mm-hmm. – Readers were then going and grabbing the mm. the next one. Oh, you tease, you tease yeah. so, and that's how you make money. That's so specialty. <laughs> oh, really? I don't. Oh, hey now. <laughs> 
We're still talking about books, right? Still, these are books? Of okay. course. All right, good. <laughs> Drink your rum. No, no, that was the coffee. I'm, I'm mixing. Oh. I'm mixing my metaphors over here. No, I've got, um, uh, Amber is referring to uh, my, my recent acquisition. I went uh, on a week-long cruise with my girlfriend down to the Bahamas. Uh, it was a, a really great thing, and I've never been on a cruise before, so uh, I I had zero expectations, so it was fantastic. Um, but while in Nassau, uh, we toured a little distillery, John Watling's, and John Watling was apparently a pirate. Um and eventually it became a distillery and i i had uh, i discovered something and that is that all the um anytime i'd ever had a pina colada i'd had it wrong <laughs> cuz what they recommend is coconut rum clear rum yes that's a mistake okay this is a mistake and i learned that at this distillery because the only thing they put in their pina coladas was the dark amber rum which is what okay. i have here so it's uh, the John Watling's Amber Rum, uh, da, 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 small batches, 750 milliliters, 40% alcohol by volume, and it is delicious. This is a three-year-old aged rum. Um, distillery was founded in 1789, so it's been around a nice long time. Uh, but they, they lure you into the tour with little tiny souffle cups of pina colada that they've made. <laughs> Smart, and, smart. Oh, it's it's brilliant because no one escapes without having without going passing through the gift shop, which is also a bar. So by by doing that, they they lure you right in. And we had the uh, we had the flights of rum. I had a mojito that was to die for, and uh, I shared a a pina colada, and it was the best damn pina colada I've ever had. So I highly recommend to uh, stop with the coconut Malibu rum and everybody, everything that, that you're putting in your pina coladas. No. Go with a spiced rum. Even if it's Captain Morgan's, it'll still taste better. Spiced rum, dark amber rums, the darker the better, I think. Changes the, the whole consistency. So good. I mean, if it's amber, it's quality, clearly. I don't trust things I can just see straight through. <laughs> Maybe water. That's it. <laughs> Definitely that, not ghosts. It's only... Well, then you don't know where they end and begin, so that's You don't difficult. know where they've been. No, you really don't. You really don't. And neither do they at most points. Okay. So, <clears throat> uh, that was just a little a little sampling, and um, I'll have a little sample here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Best rum and coke ever. Uh, I'm actually, I'm kind of afraid because uh, it, it was they were not cheap bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I bought my limit, which was only two, mm-hmm. uh, and they were like 36 bucks a bottle. Oh, Jesus. And I'm hooked. <laughs> so, oh, it's ruined you. It's ruined. It's ruined you for all other rum. It is a ruiner. Um, well, it's ruined me for cheap rum. That's probably the deal. You get what you pay for. That's what I've learned. So there you have it. Uh, so <clears throat> we do make mistakes on this show, and we're probably going to make tons of them because we're not really going to be following any, uh, any real script on this episode. But if you find something that you simply must provide feedback on, please do so at Podcast at gmail.com or phone it in at 470-222-6759. 
That spells O-R-L-Y, in case you're curious. And also a big thank you to the Patreon supporters who are still out there, still giving giving me at least uh, five bucks a month there. Thank you very much, Donald Davis, Melissa G., Henry, and Daniel Andrew Duncan. You guys rock! Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, uh, wow, lots has gone on uh, since we had you on. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, it has. Yeah, yeah. Life does not stop when when you need a break. Uh, stop the world like I want to get off does not happen, unfortunately. So what, um, what, in your opinion, got your goat <laughs> the worst while you were away? Oh, Jesus. I know. Uh, it's, probably <laughs> Philando Castile. Yeah, that sucked. That didn't make any sense at all. And then, of course, conversely, the same day, Bill Cosby walks. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one. And then uh, the Orlando Sentinel Mm -hmm. running that god-awful article about how the reason that uh, Disney World had seen a like 1% decrease in ticket sales was because we all gave a shit about Pulse too much. And they ran it three days after the anniversary. Wow, I couldn't even bring myself to read it. You know, it was getting such vitriol, I had no no intention of actually reading it. Like, okay, um, the dude who wow, wrote it... that's what uh, was in there? Jeez. The dude who wrote it is a big Ken Ham supporter and creationist. And oh, they chose yeah. to give this person a voice, first and foremost, uh, bad decision. Secondly, he his whole thing, like his his entire hypothesis was that when the arc is done up in Kentucky or wherever the fuck that's going. Yeah, the arc park. That's yeah, that's where all the evangelicals are going to go. They're not going to need Disney anymore. And I'm like, yeah, fucker, because Holy Land's doing so well. It it is done and it's failing. Yeah. Nobody's and, going. You know, all the all the residents. You know, here's the marker. If you ask them, it's super successful. If you ask somebody else, it's not. Ask mm-hmm. the residents and the businesses around whether or not there's been any uptick. It's a blip. Yeah. It no, was like I mean, an I, outlier I of like, be... hey, this freakish thing has happened. You know, <laughs> let's let's go visit the anomaly. And yeah, I can I completely agree with that and it doesn't surprise me whatsoever but this was this yeah. guy's hypothesis so on top of everything else it was not based in reality yeah. whatsoever so like on top of it being offensive just from an ideological standpoint of like you know last year we had somebody come into our community and murder 49 people 49 lgbt etc people yes and allies um, yeah who were just trying to have a good time. Um, and I mean, wounded many others and the, the strain and trauma it it put into not just our community, like as LGBTQIA plus people, mm-hmm. but pretty much everybody. I mean, it, it rocked the city and, you know, the, the hospital workers, the staff, um, they went through something terrible that night too. And so right on that one year anniversary where we're all kind of, you know, trying to reflect on how much has changed and trying to respect the dead and, and do our in memoriam. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this motherfucker who the Orlando Sentinel chooses to give a voice, not just, you know, again, it's not just the fact that he disagrees from a, a um, 
ideological standpoint and that he lacks humanity. It's also about the fact that nothing he said had any realistic value because it was lying. So why did you feel the need to publish this? Um, And a lot of people, when I made that argument, talked about, you know, oh, well, it would be censorship not to. And I'm like, well, first of all, censorship doesn't mean I'm choosing not to publish what you wrote because I don't think it has any merit or value and isn't founded in reality whatsoever. That's not what censorship means. First of all, I don't have to give you a platform that's not required of me, like, or the Orlando Sentinel. Um, Well, they could take it, uh, take it as, you know, if, if you need to have this argument again, you can simply say, well, the platform is available to everyone. Like healthcare, it's available to everyone. (laughs) Right. You know, Uh, but we, we're not entitled to put you up for it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, so, I mean, that's one part of the argument. And then the other part is simply like, you know, I I am an editor. Um, I'm the editor-in-chief of Wormwood Publishing and Editing. So I'm Which you should with... totally like on Facebook and follow on Twitter. You should. We're great. Um, we post some really cool – especially if you're an author or any type of content creator, we post a lot of stuff about um, – like it, infographics about how to get like BookBub ads, which are really great if you're a, an indie author – Stuff about um, what makes a story good, um, the difference between uh, different viewpoints, a lot of really educational stuff um, to kind of help you with your self-editing process before you go looking for a professional editor and also just with the writing process in general. Uh, We're also, you know, publishing um, Marissa McCool's latest book, um, July 14th, that comes out. uh, It's called Voice in the Dark, um, and it's a fantastic book. Um, Excellent. Um, and we've had can, we've had Riz on before, and we probably need to have ever on again. Yeah, absolutely. And you can pre-order her book through, um, I believe it's reesmccool dot com. R i s m c c o o l dot com. I believe you're correct. Part of every sale is actually going to Wolves Den in Flint, Michigan, to try to help them get clean drinking water because they still don't fucking have it. Um, oh yeah, just a reminder: Flint still doesn't have clean drinking water. Yeah, they have no drinkable water still. So every a portion of every sale um, will go to Wolf's Den, the initiative there, to get them drinkable water. Um, so not only are you going to be buying this really fucking cool book with a great story, you're going to be donating to a, an extremely worthy cause. And, and, I mean, it's a shame that we still have not done anything about that. Um but as somebody who curates content, as somebody who chooses what to publish and what not to publish, you know, there is no onus to publish everything that comes your way, first of all. And secondly, as an editor, you always need to ask yourself the question, no matter what it is, is this something that needs to be put out there? Is this a voice we haven't heard before? Is what is the content going to add anything of value to this discussion um, Unique, engaging, it, thought-provoking. Yeah, and yeah. C- you you do have to consider the climate that you live in and whether or not it's appropriate to put that idea out there. For example, this guy is obviously vehemently homophobic. Oh, do yeah. we need to put that out into a climate where, like I said, we're honoring the one-year uh, m- 
mass well not yeah. honoring oh, it's but, a memorial yeah in memorial yeah. you, you know what later. I meant but like mm-hmm. we're dealing with the one year anniversary of one of the worst mass shootings um you know in our country's history pivotal um that happened specifically to a, a a demographic and community um, that this guy is railing against. So do we really need to put that quote unquote opinion out there? Are all opinions valid? No, sometimes you're just wrong. And if you can't even find, you know, hard numbers value in what somebody's saying, which obviously as you brought up, you can't because he's wrong. Yeah. Um, what was the point? Why would you run that? Well, there is something. We just gave the the Sentinel some free press. We're mm. we're we're driving clicks there, one way or another. It's like, wait, what were they talking about? Well, now I got to go read that. Where is it? Where is it? It's at the OrlandoSentinel dot com. I mean, it, I'm not. And what's on? We... And what's on there? Advertising. They don't care what you think or feel, or even if it's good. It's all about selling soap. Maybe. But I'm not a huge fan of that argument because basically what it boils down to is we should never talk about anyone doing anything wrong ever because we give them attention. And I don't think that's a way to be. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think we we have to have discourse about these things. Um, I agree with that. Because shutting up has uh, never, you know. follow the money. Mm -hmm. That's that's one of those things that I – I try to always. Yeah, live I mean, up the question of why would you publish that is kind of rhetorical. It's it's more me saying like, "Are you fucking stupid?" Like, <laughs> yeah, you're a bunch of assholes. It's basically how I should have worded that. Um, but uh, yeah, that that was really frustrating um, and and upsetting. Um, Bill Cosby, I just I can't even. I I don't know what to say. I. Did you see that he's now going on like a book tour and oh, speaking you bet I did. tour on basically how to get away with it? Not basically. It's how to avoid getting accused of sexual assault when you sexually assaulted somebody. And it's geared toward pro athletes and yeah. celebrities. But it's not in those words, of course, because then he's inviting civil suits all over the place. Of course, well, he's already going happened. to have a civil suit. But that's what's already happened is the thing. It yeah. was – I mean I, I, I gave it a little bit more of an editorial there, but I believe the much. verbatim byline was how to avoid sexual assault charges. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we somebody... we live in a world where hyperbole is unnecessary. Yeah. That is the climate and that is the environment of 2017. Hyperbole doesn't count anymore. I don't know if you're being hyperbolistic because that could just be real now. That's mm-hmm. it's 2017 and nothing matters. Nothing matters. So, yeah. And I mean, I just <sighs> it's 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 really difficult. To get to to get serious for a second, it's just difficult mm-hmm. to be a woman who's aware of these things, and to be a sexual assault survivor, and to be an intimate partner violence survivor, and to realize how much the world hates you, and how much they don't, at the very least, they don't give one shit about you. Um. I mean, Bill Cosby happened 
when he had over, I think, over 60 accusations and still people wouldn't believe it because of the old narrative of a couple things. You know, one, women as deceivers, which is a theme that's gone on since before the Bible was written. Yeah, it's like, well, the the story with... Yeah, the Bible is a huge perpetrator of it, but it it was along way before that. Um, It was around way before that. Uh, You know that uh, I heard something, you know, just to dovetail off that, uh, Lilith, you know, the Adam's first wife. Yes. um, Yeah. We know a thing or two about the Bible, folks. It, it's a thing, you know. <laughs> Those of us that don't believe, we Are actually read it. Are you talking about why she was cast out? No, the name Lilith. Okay. If you if you research where Lilith comes from, uh, it's actually the name of a screech owl. Yeah. Well, that was one of her symbols was a screech owl. Yeah. Well, it's it's actually that that was the the type of owl apparently, mm-hmm. and it that was the noise in the night, something mm-hmm. to be afraid of, something something horrible right so they've just supplanted that on top it's all about illusion and imagery and and all these things to to bring about a feeling of fear right and and the reason that she was cast out of the garden was because uh she did not want to lie underneath adam during sex yeah she would not submit she would not submit so adam tattletailed to God that he wanted a new one. This one's broken. And I don't like your creation. Make me a new one. And so Lilith becomes the mother of monsters as a result. I mean, how much more transparent do you want it? Um, mm-hmm. But on top of the the whole women as deceivers and women as shrill screech owls, um, yeah. the, the other thing is that I keep hearing people say, which makes no sense to me whatsoever, is... Well, they're just doing it for the attention and for the money. And I'm like, have you been paying attention to rape culture or, you know, rape cases at all? Because yeah, who's paying who's paying that money? Nobody is, first of all. And yeah, secondly, there's no market in that. They're not getting sympathy. They're getting assholes like you telling them <laughs> that they Victim wanted blaming. it or, yeah. you know, whatever. One of the jurors in the I don't know if you saw this. One of the jurors in the in the Bill Cosby trial. Mm hmm. Um, actually said that the um, that the woman in question in this case was asking for it because her midriff was showing. <gasps> that was her that that was the juror's excuse for you know the deadlock was well her bare midriff was showing and she should have known better than to go up there dressed inappropriately. Her shirt wasn't tucked in. Yeah. And then therefore, to, obviously, she wants she wants the bill. And then I think about a week later, maybe she wants the B. Maybe maybe two weeks later, um, one of Johnny Depp's uh, somebody, some male acquaintance of his comes mm-hmm. out and says, oh, yeah, he did abuse Amber Heard. And now all of a sudden people believe it. And I'm like, not only did Amber Heard have video of the domestic violence. Not only did Johnny and his lawyer come out and say Amber Heard and her lawyers have not lied about any of the circumstances regarding the divorce and the and the domestic violence case. Well, that's not pretty, only yeah. Okay. Not only did those two things occur, or, or rather, those two things happened, and still nobody believed her. 
she was egging him on or she somehow, you know, made him drink, gave him a drinking problem because she was so high maintenance. It was her fault. But then this male acquaintance comes out and, and goes, you know, hey, uh, I witnessed it. It happened. And now everyone's like, oh, no, I, what? I, really? And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, we don't learn. We don't learn because we, we don't care. See, now you're making me want to put down my pirate rum. No, don't. It's like, oh. Don't put that down. Keep, you're going to want to keep drinking that. <laughs> I probably will. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Mm. Take my medicine. As much of that um, as humanly possible. Yeah. Why, why? Is the rum always gone? Well, I know why. <laughs> um, <laughs> current events. Yeah, current events. Something I saw this morning that uh, that really resonated with me, and I think actually if we... If we rolled back the tape on several of our of our shows, you know, mm-hmm. we're at 158 now, so we we got plenty of footage. Um, it was an article out in, in Huffington Post, essentially mm-hmm. an editorial uh, by Kayla Chadwick, okay. and it's head, headlined, "I don't know how to explain to you that you should <laughs> care about other people." Yeah, the state of politics in 2017. That's the slogan. Oh, it's not even politics. This is just reality. This is yeah, everything. True. Of course, politics is everything. Everything. That's is what politics. I was going to say. Is like you know, the personal is political and vice versa. But no, yeah. I get what you mean. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how to explain that concept of empathy and, and compassion to somebody. Yeah, because I, I, there's just the divide is so big, and yeah. and as just as it's going through, it's like I have said this to several people within the last. 365 days. Yeah, I mean, if we can't even have a jumping off point mm. of you should give a shit about your fellow human being, I probably have nothing to say to you. Like, mm-hmm. what could I say? Because everything is going to be predicated on the idea of humanity and, and basic humanity, and you don't yeah. seem to understand that concept. So, <laughs> yeah, we've talked we've talked uh, about how. The economy is simply different in other countries, how they have a living wage as the starting wage, as Mm -hmm. the minimum wage. And yet the burger doesn't cost all that much more. And stated here, personally, quoting, I'm personally, I'm happy to pay an extra 4.3% for my fast food burger if it means the person making it for me can afford to feed their own family. If you mm-hmm. aren't willing to fork over an extra 17 cents for a Big Mac, you're a fundamentally different person than I am. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's like, I will happily do that. I was probably going to upsize it anyway. Yeah. So why not? It 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 really doesn't hurt me. Not a bit. Go ahead, raise that raise that little price, but send it to the people that need it. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, we have s- such a, a tangle of corporate law, and mm-hmm. I mean it. How dare we, we people just, try to feed themselves? We need such a major overhaul to even make sure that that money is going to where it's supposed to go. Someone asked Paul Ryan, at least I, I think it was Paul Ryan. It was one of the Republicans, you know, the, the talking heads, the people that are in power. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not people simply had a right to eat, mm-hmm. had a right to food. Mm-hmm. And he would not answer the question. No, because he knows that he doesn't believe that they do. And he Republicans, knows that it's like, wrong to think that. 
Republicans like Paul Ryan, mm-hmm. etc., don't believe people have a right to err if they could tax it or if they could somehow they're the fucking villain from that one Dr. Seuss movie uh, from the Lorax, the new Lorax movie. They're like, oh. they would sell air oxygen if they could. Yeah. Uh, oh, something O'Hare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aloysius O'Hare. Yeah. 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 Who found a way to bottle air. Yeah. Now the whole song's in my head. Damn you. <laughs> it's a musical. It's catchy. Um, and if somebody <laughs> like you doesn't care a whole lot, <laughs> nothing's going to change. It's just not. No, it's just not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, mm. it's, uh, I, I'm one of those people who firmly believes in this post scarcity, faux scarcity society where we literally have to pretend we don't have resources when we actually do in order to make a profit. Um, I'm one of those people who believe that anything, pretty much anything on the bottom of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. should be provided. Now, let me let me do a caveat here, because I know there are some uh, versions of that hierarchy that put sex on the bottom. Um, Let's look at the one on Wikipedia so that we're all on the same page, like the APA, for example. Maslow's hierarchy of needs as right. on Wikipedia at the time of this recording, because mm-hmm. Wikipedia is a fluid thing. It's psychological, safety, love, belonging, esteem, and self-actualization. Mm-hmm. So the physiological, that's the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. That's food, water, and a, a safe place to, to be. Yeah. Food, water, shelter, like anything you need to actually live. Like the things that if you lose one of them, you're done. Like that, the basic requirements for human survival. And the thing is, is that there's no reason why a country like America, for example, could not provide those things. We can. Mm -hmm. We've run the numbers. We could provide housing to people who don't have it and still be fine and be actually spending less than we do on the homeless problem. We could be providing food to people who are hungry because we throw out an insane amount of food on a monthly basis, tons and tons and tons of food on a monthly basis simply because there are laws in place that say we can't give them to anybody. So the the restaurants and the grocery stores are forced to throw them away. It's not always because they're just ugly food or whatever. No, no, no. Now, there is, however – there is a reason that they do that, and it's a health concern. Because, but not always. Because a lot of food waste is not maintained at proper temperature, so it could be dangerous to ingest. But you not – No, that's not, fine. not always. That makes total sense. But there are you – know, and then mixing perishables, and then it overburdens them on the food safety aspect of food that they then are not profiting from. Let me give you an so example. So there, there is, there is an example in there of an undue burden. Yes. That would be placed on it. But let me give you an example of from my time working at a bagel shop. Okay. I worked at uh, an Einstein's Bagels. It was my first job. I worked there for eight or nine months um, back in high school. Um, it was either every day or every, I, I want to say it was, yeah, it was, it was a daily thing. 
that any bagels left over at the end of the day, no matter how many fucking bagels there were, I mm-hmm. mean, we're talking upon sometimes dozens upon dozens upon dozens would yeah. be thrown away. Yeah. Employees couldn't even take them home. These were bagels. That there was nothing wrong with them. Yeah. So most most of the ones at the end of the day were maybe three hours old, maybe, and they had all been handled with gloves. There was nothing, you know, tainted yeah. about them. But even the employees weren't allowed to take them home. Employee wage at Einstein's at the time was six fifteen an hour. Right at minimum wage. Yes. At the time, yeah. We could have used that. You know, as a way to have breakfast one morning or to not have to spend, you know, so much money on groceries, you know, bagels or bagels, whatever. It wasn't like this huge, you know, produce or anything like that, but it was something that it could have been distributed to people who wanted or needed them. But we bagels and donuts. Yeah, bagels and donuts and bread, you know, the day old bread and things like that. That is always the prime and best example of of mm-hmm. food waste that you could then pass on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, and really that that isn't an issue with the FDA stepping in. That is an issue with them trying to eke out every little bit of profit they can. Right, and I, I want to say um, I'll Google it right now, actually. But I want to say that France recently passed laws that said that now. I At least right. some food providers have to – anything that's good can't be thrown away. It needs to be given to, like, shelters and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, France, extra food. There are – Yes, French law forbids food waste by supermarkets. That was in uh, February of 2016. Yeah. So that's happening. And – there are so many things that we could do as far as efficiency goes that mm-hmm. just with what we make now, you know, mm-hmm. there are opportunities that are untapped. There, There's another multimillionaire that will have an idea tomorrow mm-hmm. and it will fit right in with the way everything's going and more power and more power to them. I, uh, I, I did a little numbers experiment um maybe a month ago a little bit longer so i don't i i don't remember the the exact numbers that i got from it but mm-hmm. it's easy enough to look up i took the 10 uh people in the u.s who have the most money the top 10 billionaires basically yeah and i looked up the number of uh Adults of working age uh, who are in the workforce, the average span, mm-hmm. you know, from like 18 to um, I think it was 60 something who were making. Um, I want to say making less than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year mm. and what it would take to just or no, I'm sorry. I, the first thing I did was look up the entire adult American population. Okay, and it 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 was a significant number of some kind. Um, and what it would take to give every um, adult in America a mm-hmm. hundred thousand dollars, and if any one of those bil- any one of those billionaires, first of all, could have done it, and still been a- several billions in the bank, just give a hundred thousand dollars. 
any one of them. See, um, we did we did a show a while ago, and we were talking about how the human brain does not associate numbers very well. Yeah. And how a billion is a lot more than a million. I mean, a whole lot more. Like, yeah. you just don't know how it's much. It's a thousand times. And then we're talking a trillion. Mm-hmm. And we have... I, I can't remember the the largest net wealth that has ever been accumulated, but it was close to being a trillionaire. Mm-hmm. It was close. Personal net wealth. Personal net wealth, which is just absurd, really. Absolutely absurd. You can't spend that much money. You can buy a country and still have money in the bank for that kind of money. Yeah. And you know, I'm surprised. I'm really surprised, actually, that we have not yet seen the billionaire that buys a nation. I think it's too much trouble is the thing. I don't know. I'd do it. I don't think I would. I think, I mean, like, I I would use my money for philanthropic pursuits as much as possible, but I would... (sighs) I would do it, and then using my newfound international standing as a government of my own right, Mm -hmm. I would then provide internet for the entire world, unfiltered, all out of there. Does anybody want an email address in a country that has no extradition, (laughs) that will never, ever give you anything? Complete amnesty to virtual citizens. Allow virtual citizenship to that nation. Hey, give me billions. That's what I'll do. <laughs> it's an interesting idea. Yeah. I, I tend to think, and you know, obviously this isn't something I've researched at length, so take it with a grain of salt. But I just feel like knowing what I do know of governmental operation, mm-hmm. it would the reason it hasn't been done are the people who are billionaires mm-hmm. have no interest in that kind of quagmire. It's no, probably no. way too much bullshit. Well, what they could do is they could versus they disposition. Could, they could bankroll it, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day, they just wash their hands of it. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I would I'd buy a small country like Liechtenstein. Yeah, just buy it outright. <laughs> just give everybody there, you know, a million dollars, two million dollars and say, you are now my sovereign. You know, I, I, I am your sovereign citizen of, of my country now. Enjoy. Here's your new Bill of Rights. I think it could work. And I think that might be something that we see once somebody finally becomes a trillionaire. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying that that's, it can't happen. And I'm not even saying that like money. it couldn't be done. What I'm postulating is that given the disposition of most billionaires... Yeah, it's a different different mind type. They have no interest in the complications therein. Though a lot of, a lot of billionaires are politicians. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe not. It depends on what they would do. Well, I mean, there's there's also a difference between running a small government for a county or a or a you know state or, or anything like that um, 
versus running an entire nation. Wait, did I just figure out how Shadowrun becomes real? Yes, you did. Okay. Shadowrun is already becoming real. Look at our president. <laughs> like, I, well, he's not a dragon. I mean, he's have n- you read the description of Shadowrun dragons? But he's not a dragon. He, I mean... He's a sloth. He's not a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. Um, he, he fits the bill in several respects. Yeah, um, I suppose. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Would you like a little hope, though? I would love a some small- hope like a modicum of hope coming from me, which is completely uh, uncharacteristic, but I'll do it. It makes me dubious. So you (laughs) have heard the ongoing saga of my father. A little, yes. And how he is a staunch libertarian slash Republican, however he wants to identify for the day, and how I can't get him to understand basic like the idea of caring enough about your fellow citizens. We to... we go back to the article. I don't know how to explain to you that you should care about other people. That one. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, he's, he's very much um, in a lot of ways, um, your stereotype of a baby boomer. Okay. He was born in the late forties, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, the groundwork has been laid. Go ahead. My mom was actually, uh, at, animal kingdom one day and so my dad was alone because he lives in port orange so she was going to stay the night there with some friends decided to go see the new uh avatar world oh yes thing Mm -hmm. um and so they had a resort uh booked down there so my mom went with them because my dad doesn't do disney or anything fun so my mom went um and she stayed the night so my dad was alone so uh i called um you know, just to talk to him, and he had been drinking a little. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't soused, but he'd had some some bourbon because uh, he had nothing better to do. So that he sounds, started talking. Sounds fair. That's fair. He started talking to me about politics because he can't while my mom is there because my mom literally cries because she thinks we're never going to talk to each other again. When literally, <laughs> that's actually what you call to talk about sometimes. So yeah, <laughs> so. Um, we start talking and, uh, you know, one of the, the big hurdles with my dad and with a lot of people is like, he'll say something, he'll parrot something that he's heard through Fox news or some other conservative outlet because of the whole framework of the liberal media bias. You can only trust da 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 da. So it's really hard to get any sources through to him because I can even be like, no, what you just said about, you know, a crime is wrong according to the fucking FBI statistics I have here in front of me. And he's like, oh, well, that liberal internet told you. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. So it's hard to get through to him. (laughs) The liberal internet. Wow, the whole internet, huh? Okay. Yeah, it's hard to get through to him sometimes with any sources because he distrusts computers. He distrusts any media that's not conservative-leaning. So these discussions are always very difficult. However... We started talking about I, – I got a few concessions along the way, and, and the real big moment for me was we started talking about uh, the Russians having hacked the election yeah. process. And my position was, I think, the very reasonable one of, no, we don't know exactly what happened, which is why we need an independent investigation to find out what happened. And – my dad's position 
was, well, I don't think it was anything bad. I think Trump just told the his only communication with the Russians was just, hey, I know Obama put these unfair sanctions on you. So just don't do anything rash. I'm going to be president soon. Just hold your horses. And I'm like, okay, so you believe what happened was just this benign conversation of like, hold on, Putin, don't do anything weird. (laughs) And and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, but the fact that you believe it doesn't necessarily make it the truth. So we get into that right. discussion of like, you know, belief versus fact. Mm-hmm. And I got him to at least agree that there should be an independent investigation and that the only reason at this point, because we know that it was hacked and we know there were communications between at least the Trump administration and Russia that were illegal. Yeah, it has walked like a duck. It has quacked like a duck. Right. We've we've confirmed this. We've we confirmed know. it's a duck. And so at that point, my position was, if this were benign, why wouldn't Trump be the first person tweeting about how he saved America and, and Russia's foreign relations because Obama had caused such a problem by acting too rashly with these sanctions after, you know, when he kicked out the, the ambassadors after the, the whole scandal broke. Mm -hmm. And my, my dad tried to flip it back around on Obama and say, well, Obama never should have put those sanctions in place. And I said, okay, I'm not even going to argue with you, but I need you to tell me why. Yeah. And he goes, well, I don't think it was his place as the outgoing president. This happened right before the election. I was like, no, it didn't. It Mm -mm. happened in like April. And he's like, no, no, no. It was like November or something. And I was like, okay, we'll call it April. We'll we'll call it, you know, September for fuck's sakes. Like, I don't even care. Yeah, sure. But so he still had, you know, September, October in this equation where this happened in September, September, October, November, December, and, and part of January that was left to his presidency. I'm like, so you're saying he should have done nothing. He should have left that for the next president. My dad goes, yeah, he should have recognized, you know, I'm a lame duck president. I've never done anything. And this is not an issue for me to handle because I'm outgoing. So he's like, if I, I was like, so if you were Obama, what what would you have done? He said, I would have held a press conference and I would have told everybody, I'm not going to make a decision on this. It's not my place. I'm going to let the next president in line make that call because they're the ones who are going to deal with the after effects. And, I think that's the fair thing to do. And I was like, okay. However, have you ever given it thought that maybe the Foreign Espionage Act required Obama to do something? That there was some, or maybe it wasn't even that act. Maybe it was something else, but something legally required him to act given the information. Mm-hmm. And my dad actually paused and he goes, no. I actually hadn't thought about it that way. You're probably now, right. Now, among those actions that oh, we've already on, been I've talking about are sanctions against not... Stop that. <laughs> it took that long for that to pop up. That's so weird. Okay. <clears throat> I was look- I was trying to figure out when the sanctions were put in, in place, and it looked like it was a very, very late term in 2016. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm But they were also about- put into place because of the Russian government orchestrated hacking. Yes. So... Um. It's like the cart and the horse were riding together in another cart, going to the same place. So they were going to arrive exactly together. A cart and a horse and a cart. Yeah. Um, okay. So, <laughs> all right. Let's. Whatever. It was October or November. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Might have even been December. September Regar- was a fine estimate. Yeah, regardless, regardless it's all, it all works out. He still had several months left to his presidency, and my dad's position was, well, he was a lame duck, so he shouldn't have done anything. And and Should lame duck presidents just keep, their, duck, keep, their, keep their pajamas on and never show up for, for work? Apparently. Because there's still work to be done. But once I, I went, you know, did you ever think that maybe he was compelled because of some kind of law or act or something written down that said, like, hey, if this if X happens, Y has to occur. Right. Did you ever think of that? And he's like, you know what? You're probably right. I never thought of it that way. You might be right about that. And I was like, look at that. If you can actually deconstruct. Yeah. And, and what it what it kind of taught me and I, I I'm not can I say this is going to work in every case? Oh, no, I'm absolutely. Not. It will not. Yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of piggybacking off of that one article that we talked about before I, I went on my break, mm-hmm. where it was like, you can't argue logic with these people. You have to argue emotion because they simply do not speak that language. Do you remember that article? I do. And we've gone back and forth on that. And since we had Gleb, Gleb Spursky on, uh, you know, he, he countered that as well, mm-hmm. indicating that, no, you, you can, but you have to reach a point where you're both working with the same facts. Right. So for... you worked you worked your way back with your dad until you reached a point where that fact did matter. However, that article specifically was talking about people like my dad who will not accept fact as fact. They will only accept what they've been told to fear by conservative and libertarian outlets. That's the kind of person it's talking about. And recently, too, which is, you know, one thing that I don't understand about all this is that aren't the Russians the communists? No, not anymore. Now we're supposed to get along with them because they're so great with all these gays that they're killing, I guess. But... Oh, um, right. Yeah. I must not have gotten the memo. They're basically ultra conservatives. Um, Yeah. But but anyway, in the context of what that article was talking about and what I'm talking about is the person who will not accept fact as fact, where you cannot have that common ground of do we at least agree the sky is blue? No. Great. Like that kind of person. Mm -hmm. What I did with my dad that I didn't even realize at the time was I didn't try to come at him with fact. I even seeded ground on a fact I wasn't completely sure about. What I did was say, if you were in that position, what would you do? And then said, have you thought about maybe this thing existed that forced him to act? And I think by putting my dad in an emotional place of like, well, how would I feel if this happened to me? Yeah, what would you do? hard to do. Yeah, what would you do if you were in that position? Right. I think if you can, for some people, framing it that way, putting them at the center of the decision or whatever it is that you're arguing about, if you can really actually get them there, which is, again, very hard to do because a lot of people will answer off the cuff without thinking. Yeah. They'll just go, well, I would without actually considering what they would do. Yeah, especially if there is an existing talking point that they have heard, they will parrot it back on reflex. Yeah, absolutely. But if you can get them into that state of what would I do, you know, if I were in that person, if, if, if the decision were left up to me, 
what would I do? If you can get them to imagine that. Uncertain territory. Sometimes you can get through to them by put it by appealing to their narcissism, <laughs> appealing to that that desire for everything to to. Is that a logical fallacy? The appeal to narcissism? I don't know if that is one. <laughs> it's it's not necessary. I mean, you could skew it. <laughs> I'm sure you could you could like fold it into another one. I'm sure there's could, there's uh, plenty out there. Fold yeah. it into appeal to authority in a way. Yeah, your own authority because you are the best authority. Especially, right. That works with Trump. But the thing that we've talked about is that what do these people have a problem with? Empathy. What do they not have a problem with? The idea of serving themselves. Mm. So if you can put them in a situation where they have to think about what would happen to them oh. and the that they care about, yeah. you can sometimes get through. Clever. And by doing it in a way that doesn't insult their intelligence, by saying like, okay, maybe you're right. So what would you have done if you were in that circumstance instead of being like, okay, asshole, what do you think? Like by framing it as like, I'm really interested in what you would have done and then coming at them with, well, what if you couldn't because this is a thing that actually exists and is in place and you have to do something. Right. That kind of, I think, helped my dad look past the idea of, well, Obama sucks and is a lame duck and shouldn't have breathed. Right. To be able to see, like, okay, which well, of course he will still believe wholeheartedly. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Of course he does. He's I mean, not going to see so much that ground. Do. Yeah, he's not going to see that ground. But on that one issue, well, okay, then he probably is okay on that one because he did what he was supposed to do. As, but I have as sitting to, president, regardless of if he was lame duck or not. Yeah, to add a little bit more hope to that, um, the couple times we've talked very like in a very like glossing over way about like some current events. Yeah. He has swung hard away from conservatism on several opinions. Really? And yeah, one of the reasons is that he's in his seventies and trying to get back into the workforce. Oh yeah. So again, it's all about in, in my opinion, and I have to do more research of my own on this, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to, to gather some more data but if you can make it hit home for them, yeah, it has to be personal in a in a tangible way. You can at least get a better conversation out of it. You can at least mm-hmm. maybe start make the gears turning as and maybe get them to open up a little bit to some other ideas that you have. Because right after that, uh, my dad brought up like, well, the Democrats have been blocking nominations that Trump and I was like, he's like, there's all these empty seats. And I'm like, dad, they can't block a nomination. That's not there. He hasn't tried to put anyone in those 441 positions. Yeah. He's nominated like seven people or something. That's, that's and instead of arguing, well, Fox news or whatever, he just goes, wow, really? Yeah. That actually, that's kind of stupid. I mean, you can't really, you know, say anything. Democrats have nothing to do with that. And I'm like, there we go. Who was the last person they blocked? Yeah. I, 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 and and when was that? I know, Trump's gotten every nomination he's made, hasn't he? He has every single one. So I mean, Th- there hasn't been a single block that held. So, but I mean, it's a but the he story is a story anywhere. about small victories. Hey, small ones. At, at this point, that's all that uh, that and we on the left can get right now. And sometimes it's like Jenga: you take out one block at a time until the whole thing falls down. Right, you just so, have to be strategic about which blocks you're pulling out. Yeah, so like there, yeah, it, it kind of taught that's me good. 
that there's some arguments not worth having. Like I wasn't going to sit True. there and argue the point of like, when did this happen and did the rush and all this other stuff that like I knew wasn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, minutia. Yeah. Focused on the one thing that I thought was we could at least come to some kind of agreement about. And that seemed to open up the door for like, I, I felt a little more respect come from his side of like, okay, well maybe she's not just talking these quote unquote liberal talking points. Mm-hmm. Maybe she actually, you know, has a point in here somewhere. And I kind of felt a wall come down. That's good. That's so and good. again, small victories, but they are victories and I think they could add up. Um, and I, and I do think, I think uh, Gleb, uh, is it Sapersky? Sapersky, yeah. Sapersky, I'm not arguing with the idea that, like, yeah, of course you can talk logically to people if you can agree on some type of foundation of reality. Yeah. But when you can't, when these people have none. Well, he, he completely agrees that it has to be personal. Yeah. You have to get buy in from the person. Right. So you have to. You have to look at them as a a valid contributor that all of their ideas are valid because they are their ideas. Mm-hmm. And you have to address them as such. You have to acknowledge that, okay, you do have a point there. All right, that's where you're coming from. Now, have you considered the following? Yeah. And there's a difference, I think, because, I mean, one of the frustrations from um, especially people of color and um you know, LGBTQ, et cetera, yeah. um, is like, why do we have to, like, Jesus Christ, we spend so much of our lives catering to these assholes who, you know, again, everything that they believe is wrong. Why do we then have to gently and calmly say, like, okay, I, I your idea is valid when it's not? Morally, yeah, I am right there with you guys. Mm-hmm. But I think there is sometimes an extremely unfortunate, infuriating difference between what is morally the the way something should be handled mm-hmm. and realistically what can be done. Yeah. Because I think the, the former assumes this outcome that frankly does not exist on a large scale of like – People are these gears in a machine that you can just tweak their, you know, you can just like mechanically fix whatever is wrong with their belief system mm-hmm. um, and that'll fix the problem. And, and by saying like, no, this thing is wrong, if you can get them to believe that, that'll change things. I want to bring but something people... I want to bring something to from pop culture mm-hmm. uh, to to reiterate the point in have you seen The Expanse? Have you read the books? Uh, I've, I have not read the books. Okay. The the Expanse is out on, on sci-fi now, and uh, so far they are two different takes on the same same characters, so they, they diverge in, in interesting ways. So they're both uh-huh. entertaining in their own right, and they also still follow the same basic story arc. Uh, the, the authors are involved in both. So it's, it's a really... Excellent series, but one of the um, one of the characters, James Holden, he's the the captain of of the ship that uh, that we're focused on throughout the story arc. Mm-hmm. He gets into some very serious trouble because of his worldview, mm-hmm. and his worldview is the naive notion that if you give everyone all the information 
that mm-hmm. the facts alone will lead them to the right conclusions. Mm-hmm. He starts a war <laughs> uh-huh. by doing that. It's just not how it is. No, it, it's not. And yeah. morally, this is frustrating. It's infuriating. It's unfair. It's completely fucked. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you have to understand that we're not these humans psychologically are not most of us are not equipped in mass to deal with hearing you're wrong and immediately change our belief system even when there are facts presented yeah and you know it's, it's, it's a it's major gotten, cultural problem especially in america it's gotten worse it, it has too. gotten way worse because i think we were you know I, i'm in that uh that generation x between millennial yeah, generation. Yeah, I saw you post about that. I can't remember what they called it. Uh, generation X-Wing or Zennial or, uh, or Generation um, uh, Oregon Trail. Yeah. Something like that. You know, same, same basic thing. The emergence of technology, you know, being there before it, growing up a while, and then suddenly like, oh, I'm growing up with the technology at the right mm-hmm. time. That's, that's where I am, folks. Uh, not that it matters, but... At that time, I started to see the same shifting of things. Millennials, I think, are in the generation specifically where participation or participatory. No, that's yes. Trophies, Mm -hmm. little awards for just showing up and signing your name Mm -hmm. became kind of all the rage. Psychologically, that was the thing to do to encourage growth and blah, 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 blah. Coddling. In many ways. Can I just interject and say that I'm a millennial and mm-hmm. most people I know are millennials and mm-hmm. none of us have ever received a participation nope. trophy or award? Really? Because I saw it I saw it happening a lot. So I mean, it, perhaps, it it's have, perhaps it's regional. Perhaps it's regional. Um or maybe just in my little neck of the woods it happened. But I have heard, I have heard in many other cases that that happened. But it seems like that that alone and probably I think it's become much more a thing. I see a lot more honorable mention and, you know, participation okay. awards coming home um, now that I'm a parent and, and get to deal with all this stuff, too. When I was a kid, that wasn't a thing. If you didn't make in if you didn't get, you know, one through three, you know, you were you might have gotten the honorable mention for fourth place. Right. Yeah. And that was it. Okay. Not, ju- not just for showing up or, or I was here, I did the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm seeing a lot more of I was here, I did the thing. Okay. I, I have not seen yeah. that. Doesn't set, so up, doesn't I, set I people up for right expectations in many ways. I mean, I, I simply don't know how widespread it is. Yeah. And, and if my viewpoint is skewed on it, simply because it was not a thing for me and I haven't seen it be a thing for my daughter. Um. But That's I'm good. sure people's experiences differ, and and I'm willing to say, like, maybe it's just, you know, where I grew up. But also consider that, like, mm-hmm. I, I have I, – I was talking with my fiancé about this. My fiancé uh, is four years younger than I am. Um, oh, and wow. He's... We talked about – we've talked about at length multiple times about the fact wow. that I feel like the – Older millennials, like I, I just turned 30 mm-hmm. recently, 
and I'm not trying to call myself old. I'm just saying the older end of the spectrum of millennials. Yeah. It's just put it, it's just putting you in a classification. I'll be 39 this year. Had so, a yeah. fundamentally different experience than the mid and younger section of millennials did. Yeah, it's definitely a spectrum. Because I, like I said, I just turned 30, and like my my fiance is four years younger than I am. And we have had completely different – we grew up in the same town. We grew up, you know, a, a couple miles from one another. Um, we went to the same schools. We had fundamentally different experiences. Like, yeah. um, you know, when I, when I see a lot of, like, when you posted about the Xenial thing, and I was like, you know, I clearly remember starting off typing on a typewriter. I clearly mm-hmm. remember owning a computer that had only DOS <laughs> on sure. it and having to learn how to maneuver DOS. I remember the first adventure game that I played was uh, Quest for Glory, where you it was a text-based adventure game. I remember owning my first gaming system was an NES, the original, and it had just like or more or less just come out. It was probably a few years old at the time when I got it. Yeah. Um, you know, well, I remember. There's also, I, I think, something I, that's not really included in that a lot is uh, the socioeconomic mm-hmm. tier, because a lot of those things that that we equate with what makes a a generation yeah. different is mm-hmm. the things they grow up with, the toys and and the tools and the things yeah. of the age. But a lot of people are not getting them right when they're new; they're getting them years later. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, mean, I, can, I, I can totally see that. I, I didn't have, I never had a game system actually until I bought one. And that I was a PlayStation 2. Uh, phone numbers <laughs> that didn't have area codes. Oh, yeah. I can, yep. I can to this day recite my home phone number from when I was a kid. Ditto. 678 uh, 6526. Um, Don't call it. <laughs> no, I mean, guess the area code, but like, because yeah. you can't really do that anymore. Hmm. Um. But yeah, we didn't have to memorize for the longest time. Area codes weren't really an, an instituted thing. Right. Um, I, I remember that. I remember, um, you know, having the, the rabbit ear television, you know. Yep. And, and one of the things that he and I have talked about a lot is the difference between us in like when I graduated high school, I wasn't. I definitely was not like completely prepared for the real world or anything like that. I don't think anybody is, mm-hmm. but I had way more of a foundational skill set for my life than he did. Yeah. Like I was very aware of a lot of different concepts and, 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 you know, things I was going to have to do in order to survive and why initiative was so important. And, you know, one of my dad's trademark phrase when I was growing up was if I didn't know something, it was literally look it up and we didn't have the internet. We had the encyclopedia set and that's where I went. I went to the encyclopedia set, pulled it off the shelves, mm-hmm. would have to flip through to find the thing I wanted, you know? Um, yep. So when the internet came around for me, this was amazing because I had such a hyper fixation on finding information that was like instilled in me from that experience that a lot of times I was just going down Wikipedia rabbit holes or TV tropes, rabbit holes where I, or like looking up psychology studies and stuff like that of just like yeah. random shit that I wanted to know. And I suddenly had it at my fingertips 
whereas my fiance didn't necessarily have that experience. I'm not saying he was lazy because he's not. I'm not saying that like he's uneducated because he's definitely not. What I'm saying is that he never felt like because the internet in a way was always there yeah, by the it, time that like he reached an age where it would matter. Ubiquitous. It wasn't it wasn't something that he was ever like, wow, I have all this information now because it was kind of always there. So he never used it for that purpose. <sighs> he saw it in a completely different way. Back in 1995, mm-hmm. the high school that I was at was just getting their first Windows 311 computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and some of the students there were responsible for locking them down because the teachers didn't know how. Oh, God. <laughs> Fun ensued. And there, and there are people there that... Once they figured out how to do that, mm-hmm. that ended up being their career. So those were like pivotal moments for them. Yeah. You know, huge ground shaking things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as such, there was there was a network, but it was only an in school network. Right. Yeah, I remember um, those. You know, there there was a outside connection to the district, but that was at like a sixty four k. ISDN line, you know, mm-hmm. it was barely a database worth anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, no internet to speak of at that time mm-hmm. for the school. Anyway, you you might have been able to get online. Yeah, you would you'd be able to have uh, oh CompuServe and yeah. AOL yeah, yeah, yeah. where they were they were still <laughs> still around and kicking, and it was still dial up. And just uh-huh. then you were getting DSL, and just then you were getting cable modems. It was right there in the mid-late 90s. In the Dark Ages. In the Dark Ages, yes. Uh, Before the freedom of information and all that. Uh, And, yeah, it was uh, Encarta on CD. Oh, God, yeah, Encarta. On CD. Mm -hmm. And CD, not not DVD, because they didn't have DVD drives. So Mm -hmm. there was only 650 megabytes of information that you could have had on there. So, you know, I can download 650 megabytes in 20 seconds on my computer. Yeah. Oh, you know, man, I loved Encarta. Like, yep. yeah, we had a lot of uh, a lot of educational programs like that on CD. Mm-hmm. Um, I fucking loved Encarta. We had a lot of stuff on floppy disk, too. Yep. Um, and really, those, they still exist, by the way. You can still get them that oh, way. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, though Wikipedia has pretty much taken over. Wikipedia does not have some of the same things that Encarta and uh, World Book and uh, let's see, there, there were a whole bunch of bunch yeah. of those competitors in that same space. Uh, but it was all the it was all the dead tree manufacturers were trying to get in on it because they they saw the writing on the wall. It mm-hmm. was information that was hyperlinked that you could then add full pictures, rich media. You could have videos even though it was running in like real player at the time you know mm-hmm. all these all these things were just right there easily absorbable mm-hmm. it was totally the way to go that just that the flow of that technology at the time that was pathetic by today's standards yeah totally pathetic but it was also revolutionary by that context insanely revolutionary yeah v- worth its weight in gold Absolutely worth its weight in gold. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, could you imagine giving that that kind of thing to somebody? You know, even with the with information concurrent to the age, mm-hmm. any age previous, mm-hmm. and say, here is all the information at your time period right now available to you. Here you go. Mm-hmm. They their minds would have exploded. <laughs> yeah, total head cannons. You know, everywhere it would have been fantastic. In fact, that that might be something to do if I ever get that time machine. <laughs> Just go back in yeah. time and show them, here's all the information that you could ever want. And, and I think... Go to, a, know, go to a monk and just say, here you go. <laughs> Copy all this down, buddy. And I think that's an, that at least uh, accounts for s- some of the differences between the mm-hmm. older generation of millennials and then the Xennials and even Gen X and the mid-range to younger set of millennials... Um, who never really, I, I don't think from as far as I've seen and, and, and talked with some of these people, I just think they had a very fundamentally different experience between like where we were like, holy shit, we suddenly have all this information that we would have had to manually look up before in fucking card catalogs and everything else. This is amazing. Let me indulge in this yeah. versus, well, this has always been around. So there's less Completely of like taken this for granted. Whole, yeah, it, it's less of a, and it's not necessarily like an ungrateful thing. They've it's never known it any other it way. It's there. Yeah, they've never known it any other way. Yeah. The sky and, is and blue. It's always been blue. There have always been online encyclopedias. Yeah. So it's they just, just a fact. They just have a very different experience, and and I think, you know, because I've seen a lot of people making fun of the fact that there are now these classes that you, as a young adult, can take. Mm-hmm. To learn some of the things, yes, that life skills, get, life skills, yeah, that millennials get made fun of for not knowing. So of course we're going to make fun of them for trying to learn. But, I uh, I will totally not make fun of them for doing that at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I it, think adulting classes are important. They are, and like I know a lot of the stuff that's taught, but even mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind getting a refresher on some things. Yeah, I mean, and and certainly there are some things. I mean, adulting could be anything from anything you learned in home economics class. Mm-hmm. It could be anything that you learned in shop class. Well, my favorite thing. Auto people, shop, wood shop, metal shop, any of the shops. People were commenting on the article about well, the first argument was, well, your, your parents should have taught you that. And I'm like, OK, but what if they fucking didn't? What if they worked two jobs? Right. What if one parent wasn't there? What if they just what the fuck ever? What if they didn't? Yeah. But then the second argument Mock my was, parents, not me. well, sh- shouldn't you have learned this in home ec? Shouldn't you have learned it in woodshop? And I'm like, do you understand that after a certain point? A lot of schools eliminated those classes because funding was pulled mm-hmm. from a lot of parents and conservatives saying, well, this is all stuff that they should be learning at home at anyway. Home. Right. The school shouldn't be interfering with, you know, a child's personal development. So a lot of things like uh, classes that I took in summer school, for instance, I took a class called LMS, Life Management Skills. Okay. Um, which was I know, a lot of, like, I know a lot of people that took that yeah, it was school. like yeah. sex ed rolled into uh, some other stuff about just, you know, adulting yeah, more or huh. less. And it was in like ninth grade. Um, yeah, I think that, that's I, where I, took, I think they might have had balancing checkbooks and things like that, like yeah, basic well, they didn't, basic accounting. They never they actually never had that. Um, oh, I thought they did. OK, no, in, in that was, life management class. I thought that was where that was. You would you would think. Um but we didn't even really get that. It was more about like 
credit card responsibility, which is important. That's um, super important. I'm glad that was in there. Yeah, but it was um, there was kind of a heavy focus on like the idea of like reproduction, and uh, we had to do the stupid thing with the egg where you have oh, to keep it from cracking. Yeah. Or take care of it or whatever. We did that. It was it was a lot of stuff that was geared toward domesticity in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also and I had taken home ec in eighth grade at, at my middle school, and I had taken a shop class I think in seventh grade. But by the time I was in high school, those classes were gone. Yeah, they no longer existed. I was the last. The okay, another summer. I think it was eleventh grade. Mm-hmm. I took driver's ed. We were the last class who ever took driver's ed at our high school. Wow, really? In an actual car. The driver's ed class that came after us had simulations. Wow. And it was all book learning. It was all, you know, like answering quizzes on what road signs meant and stuff like that. There was no actual behind the wheel experience. That's horrible. So I'm like, how can you blame these kids who never had these classes, the classes were never offered mm-hmm. to them, or the classes were just such a fundamentally different experience um, from what most of us, or a lot of us at least, grew up with, or who had parents who, for one reason or another, legitimate or not, were not yeah. able to teach them these things. So you want to make fun of them for not knowing, but then you want to make fun of them for wanting to know. It, it's just, I, I really think that if if we could at least look at the disparity between generations as a difference of what was even available to us, mm-hmm. there would, but it requires and, empathy. And yeah. And then it's also regional too. Yeah. And but, yeah, it's, it's a big thing. Um, well, and that's, and that's why I wish people were, would take a little more initiative with like asking themselves questions like, okay, well, I grew up in Massachusetts. How was my experience in the public school system fundamentally different than a kid in El Paso? Vastly, vastly different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anytime that we got got a kid in from, you know, back back in the day, anytime we got a kid in from up north, you know, Mm -hmm. Virginia and further, uh, we would always be astounded at how smart they were. Mm -hmm. Without fail, every single time. The system was more strict, more mm-hmm. rigid. They were able to learn more. They were simply ahead in well, every measurable category. They were ahead. It's also a, a matter of a lot of schools down here and in other southern Bible Belt-esque states and even in the Midwest mm-hmm. weren't teaching evolution they um, weren't yeah. teaching certain scientific concepts. There was no sex ed. And and when I say sex ed, I don't even necessarily mean there was no discussion of actual sex. There was no discussion of reproductive organs in general. I insanely, a somehow tremendous that amount of women I know think. and have talked to and have seen talk about this, talk about how they are so ignorant of their own genitalia. And internal reproductive organs and how they work because it was never explained to them. And not only was it never explained to them, it was painted as this taboo matter that they never looked up the information on their own because they were afraid of getting in trouble. They were afraid of becoming, you know, one of those girls. And so just as an example, a lot of, you know, uh, Orange is the New Black 
mm-hmm. made a made a joke about it. I mean, it was a, it was a very good natured joke. But there was no mm-hmm. like victim blaming going on. But they made a joke about the fact that a lot of the female inmates didn't know where their urethra was and had no idea where you know like where that was or or where they urinated from and a lot of women spoke up wow. at the time that that episode aired and were like yeah it, we didn't know until we were you know like in our late 20s or 30s because on our own never... trying to figure figure everything out yeah and i mean like as a woman you're told not even to look at you know yourself um and of course our our, yeah. our our organs are a little harder to see from our vantage point yeah but like you know, we're we get our illustrations, even anatomical ones, uh, taken out of textbooks here in the South. You know, we have women who have gone in for an exam thinking they were having menstrual cramps, and it turns out they had appendicitis because we're we have no idea how our fucking bodies work because yeah. our reproductive education is stymied, and. It's also sex segregated, which means mm-hmm. that a lot of boys grow up having no idea except through rumor about what women go through if they get sex education. Yeah, it's a completely foreign concept. So, and, I mean, and, southern and midwestern ignorance can run so deep, and it's yeah. not even about necessarily an unwillingness to learn. It's about what's available to us. Oh, yeah. No, kids, kids will learn. If you put mm-hmm. it in front of them, they will learn. Do they want to know about their own bits? You know what? They do. They, yeah, they, they do. They really do. They want to know. They, they are excited about that you, information. Yeah, you're you're not actually protecting them. You're hurting them by mm-hmm. not giving them information about their own bodies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, mm, it's a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. Okay, so... Where do we go from here? We've been talking for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, About stuff and things. Uh, lots of stuff. Lots of things. Uh, let's see. Climate change is apparently um, worsening. Yeah. Uh, in recent articles. I've, I mean, uh, thank God we got out of the Paris Accord. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even <laughs> though, did we? Maybe? Yeah. Not we really? We said we're going to. Right. We've... We've shaken our credibility in that regard, and then governors and state legislatures across the country have said, yeah. uh-uh, no, 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 we're going to do that. Thank God. We're going to do that anyway. We were already going to do that anyway, because there. Mm-hmm. You know, even those those uh, upstart judges on, the, on some island called Hawaii, that's a state. Yeah. You know, yeah. How, how dare they actually think about things? Um, well, the travel ban was <laughs> allowed. Yeah, part of it has been upheld. Yeah, it was allowed to go through, uh, even a though no of it. no real information as to how things were going to happen. The, the Supreme yeah. Court came back and said that only for bona fide family relationships, bona fide re- relationships, not necessarily mm-hmm. family, uh, were going to be allowed. And then they left. It was very smart of them to do that. Because then that left it up to the executive branch to figure out what a bona fide relationship actually is. Yeah. And let them spell it out. That way it's not it's not the, the Supreme Court making the rules, just upholding the law. Mm-hmm. 
So that for defining what that law actually is, uh, let's go back to the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, and since uh, in recent times, again, the White House has um, said no cameras, yeah. no microphones. And the fucking press is just like, <laughs> okay. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, turn your fucking cameras on. Like, oh, except, Well, no, then they'll be kicked out. You see, there, there's a fine line. They got to be there to record. still... Yeah, but that's the thing. It's the they source of information. They should be taking a stand. Well, the New York Times did send in a court a court sketch artist. Yeah, that was hilarious. That Beautiful. Was, was that New York Times or was that CNN? It might have been CNN. I think it was CNN, which was hilarious. Yeah, it was It was one of them. Uh, one of those bastions is actually still doing some reporting on us, uh, for <laughs> us. On us, for us, same. On us, same for thing. us, same thing same in America. Thing. Yep. Uh, welcome to the police state. Yep. Um, let's see. What other big, big, heavy-hitting things? I um, wanted to very quickly yeah. just touch on something on global warming that you mm-hmm. guys probably talked about. But it's just a short thing about, um, for people who may not know, who are like, oh, well, we're joining the likes of Nicaragua. Nick- God, I Nicaragua. always mispronounce this. Nicaragua? Yeah. Okay. Yes, and Syria with this. And I'm like, okay, but listen, though. The reason that Nicaragua... Oh my Nicaragua. god, why? Thank you. Um, this is something I have to practice, apparently. The reason hey, why yeah, I got one, they, you got one. It's okay. <laughs> the reason why they didn't agree to the to the Paris Accord was because they didn't think it was stringent enough. And right, yeah. Yeah, there were they a couple. have done way more than most other countries have in order to reduce their emissions and, and everything else. Well, Syria uh, wasn't it wasn't the, that way in Syria because Syria did not have a functioning government at the time. Exactly. That was the other thing I was going to mention was Syria was like, we're kind of doing a whole civil war thing, you guys. We don't really have yeah. time or the or the ability yeah. to be able to do this. Like, Yeah, it's like part US of our country is not even out. controlled by us. So, you know. Yeah, the U.S. opting out is an entirely different animal mm-hmm. when people say, like, it puts us on the level of these two countries. Okay, well, one of them was like, nah, we're going to do way better than any of this shit, and did. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was like, we're kind of a, a rubble pile at the moment. Like, <laughs> we don't have the resources to handle this, but when we do, we'll revisit this idea for sure. Our like, country is a hot mess. We'll get back to you once it starts cooling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or maybe when the U.S. stops bombing us. And everybody else stops bombing us. Nicaragua. There we go. There you go. Yeah. Sing it now. Um, <laughs> but now, now Syria, Syria is another. Syria yeah. is a hot mess. It is truly. Are we at war with Syria? We're involved in their conflict. I don't think we're at war. It's gray. It's a police action. It is. <laughs> it's very gray. Yeah, because we'll go in there and we shot their airbase. Yeah. It wasn't an enemy stronghold. It was their own government's airbase. Mm-hmm. So we don't like their government. We also don't like ISIL or mm-hmm. ISIS or whatever they're calling themselves these days. I don't get their magazine. I don't know. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But, but do they like that? I don't know. No, they I just, hate it. I hear both. You hear both now. I hear both. Well, I heard both the has, whole time. My I friend Alex has circumvented this entire argument by simply referring to them as fuzzy balloon. 
So. Okay. Because it gives them nothing. I've also called them the terrorist organization formerly known as ISIL. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, you know, whatever they have. Whatever to be. the fuck they are now. Yeah, it's all good. You know, we don't really care. We really yeah. don't. Um, uh, man, th- th- there's been so much. Um, there was an article out today about, about global warming and, and climate change that apparently the ice melt is extravagantly worse than we thought. Yeah. And that every and that you know it's accelerating a whole lot faster than we thought. But of course, this is a cascade effect that many people don't understand. Like big numbers, they don't understand cascades where this happens here, this happens here, this happens here. The more complex the system, the weaker it is on these other other things. And as that fails, then this happens, and that makes this worse, which increases the entire load on the system. On and on and on and on, and then you've got anthrax in reindeer, and <laughs> permafrost melting, seed mm-hmm. banks flooding, you know all all sorts of terrible things. And I believe there was an iceberg uh, about the size of Rhode Island. Yeah, they decided to like sail past Canada. <laughs> that just like broke off and said, "I'm out." Yep. State size chunks of ice. Ancient diseases like various poxes coming yeah. back into circulation because of thawing in Siberia. Yep, yep. That was the anthrax scare with the uh, with the reindeer. Frozen mm-hmm. a whole herd of frozen reindeer died and of anthrax, and then, well, the anthrax didn't completely die; it just got frozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, so many, so many things. Uh, there, there are a few glimmers of hope. Um, Apparently, there is a treatment out there for lifelong protection from severe allergies. Uh, so, okay. so some things are, are working there. Um, NASA announced their latest crop of astronauts, a very selective group of 12. That's all they chose. Wow. 12 people from – how many do you think they the applicants they, they chose from? Um. It's sadly, I think that the number should be higher. No, way higher. Way higher than 300? Way higher than 300 applicants. Uh, 1,200? Way higher. Wow, really? Yeah. I'm surprised. 18,300. They whittled it down to 12. Wow. I'm surprised that the, that the numbers are that high for applicants. It's, I, I was really hoping that it was going to be higher. Oh, I mean, that would be great. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I, I didn't think that, that it would be that high. Apparently it is at an all-time high. This is the highest number they've ever had. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got five women and seven men. Went through mm-hmm. the grueling selection process, uh, tougher than any college admissions process. Uh, honorees included surgeons, U.S. Navy SEALs, a microbiologist. Uh, before this, the 1978 applicant pool took the record with 8,000. Uh, would be astronauts sending in their bona fides. So, I think we get to credit, uh, you know, movies like Interstellar and The Martian. You know, Andy Weir out there, and and all the all mm-hmm. the good pop fiction that we've got, really bringing it on. That or maybe not Gravity. We got to get <laughs> we got to get off this rock, as as David would say. Uh, so that's that's the good news. Uh, of course, now we've got man, that's a lot of people. I hope they maybe SpaceX is hiring. 
SpaceX Maybe. is hiring. Yeah, I was going to say, engineers. I, I, didn't I see something about them hiring in Florida specifically? They hire a lot in California. Uh, not very many in Florida, but they are working on more launch facilities here. So, uh, and of course, uh, they they did two rockets in forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. I did is, see that. Yeah, that's a huge turnaround, and both of them were re- successful. Uh, yes, both successful, successful landings, and reused uh, first stage. And one of them was a reused uh, Dragon capsule itself. Mm-hmm. I say reused. They say flight proven. Yeah, but we all know what it means. <laughs> we all know that uh, that's that's been that's been up there once. I'm fine which with a, that. Which is amazing because yeah. that's not something that usually happens. Yeah. Uh, even one of the uh, the one that went off in California because they they will launch in California and they will launch in uh, Florida. So they've got two complete sites independent of each other. So that's they've already got redundancy going on. It's amazing. They're doing they're doing it right. They really are. They got a lot of smart people out there. Uh, the one in California, the the first stage had experimental titanium alloy, uh, like compressed titanium composite thing, uh, drag fins. That's what they use to actually navigate and use as control surfaces for the thing. Uh, unpainted because apparently they glow red hot when they come down. Just from friction. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so amazing things happening there. Uh, Elon Musk, uh, apparently with the Boring Company, his his tunnel-making venture, which is just still fantastic, uh, their, tunnel, their first tunnel boring machine, Godot, as in waiting for Godot, uh, completed the first segment of a tunnel actually into Los Angeles. So we were wondering when they were actually going to be able to start digging in the city proper, apparently that went through, and they are. So it's ridiculous that some of those things are actually happening. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't even know what to think. Yeah. Um, plenty of plenty of science news out there that we just haven't been able to reach, haven't been able to, we haven't had the bandwidth for, because certain politicians simply suck the air out of the room. Yeah. Makes it hard. Um Oregon became the first the first state to add what to their driver's licenses? Um, I think it was the non-binary or agender option. Yes, a third gender option, AX, for non-binary spe- specifically. Yeah. So, it's fantastic. At least we're getting some headway on things. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that'll be all sorts of weird when they take that license to other states, but it is a governmental form of ID. Yeah. Uh, I actually know um, a couple of trans people who are having some issues with IDs across state lines. Yeah, Riz, for one. Yeah, she was one who posted about it recently, but I I know a couple others who have been talking about it. um, Moving from one state where they recognize uh, legally on actual government documentation that Mm -hmm. um, you have transitioned and then moving to another state where they want to go by some other unit of measurement, like yeah, birth certificate versus birth certificate other form of or, Yeah. And the restrictions on how that happens within the state government uh, apparatus is, is different. Well, and so it's, it's something that um, 
uh, like LGB people have have dealt with too uh, concerning marriage rights mm-hmm. is you know you're married in one state in the other they may not recognize it or they may recognize it differently and give you different uh, rights and take away some rights based on their particular laws. Um, one of the big ones is the whole next of kin thing where it's like, can you be present in the hospital room if your partner is dying or in some kind of uh, traumatic situation um, mm-hmm. that can vary from state to state. Um, Speaking of states, Puerto Rico. Uh, yeah. We may they have to, we may have to get a new flag soon because Puerto Rico voted overwhelmingly in favor of statehood mm-hmm. on a uh, on a latest referendum on the 11th somewhere around the 11th. Mm-hmm. I think it was maybe the 10th. Um, so 90% of voters chose statehood uh, though the turnout was only about 23%. That's that's still more than we see on a national average with people actually showing up to vote. Uh, Puerto Rico Mm -hmm. will put its Tennessee plan into action, meaning its governor will choose two senators and five representatives to go to Washington, D.C. to request statehood. President Trump signaled during his presidential campaign that he is open to Puerto Rico officially becoming a state. And we'll see what what the other talking heads behind him actually have to say. Maybe Kushner will allow him to sign it. (laughs) But I I think I think it's a done deal. I really, I really do. I think it's a done deal because now they're actually sending people. They, they never got to that point before. Never made it past uh, the state, basically their own state, uh, even though they're not a state, their mm-hmm. own um, intergovernment stuff. Never made it past that before, even though they wanted to back in 2012. Uh, yeah, voter turnout was not high enough to accurately reflect the will of Puerto Rico's people. Mm-hmm. In 2012, now apparently they've passed a magic threshold that only exists in the minds of some politicians. <laughs> so, off we go. We might have 51st state. We might. Man, I, I an odd number of stars. That's going to be weird. Well, I'm not sure how that's going to go. This is uh, again procedurally not something I'm well educated on. So I'm only going to talk about this in terms of. Things I think may be brought up as potential issues. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there is a solution in place to these things. There might be. So let me just preface that with this. Okay. Um, I think you are going to see some pushback, particularly from conservatives, about Puerto Rico's economic state uh-huh. um, and their unemployment um, and things like that. And I think you're going to see some pushback from conservatives in the Trump administration about the fact that this is Puerto Rico and the Hispanic population. Except that Puerto Ricans are already American citizens. Yeah, but they don't have the same... I don't want to say rights. No, they don't. They, they you, don't. You are correct. But yeah, they, there's there's differences between the way we treat Puerto Rico and the way we treat states, which is why they're mm-hmm. voting to become one. Yeah, they are broke. They're mm-hmm. terribly broke. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is part of that process of we need further government assistance. And the only way to do that is to actually have congressional representation, people that can be there and actually bring a law to bear for them. 
So I think it's good. I think it's wonderful. Uh, I don't know overwhelmingly what the uh, political ideology of Puerto Rico as a whole would look like. So I I don't know how conservative those representatives are going to be. I don't know if this is going to be another vote in the – in either way. I don't know where their chips are going to lay. I have heard from um, people who are from Puerto Rico Mm -hmm. that it leans conservative. Well, that's unfortunate for us. But I don't think that's going to matter in terms of what I wonder if it leans conservative. Will say about it. I, I know, like, religiously mm-hmm. affiliation and things like that. Puerto Rico is, is very religious, mm-hmm. uh, by and large. Mm-hmm. So that does fit with that conservative mindset, at least as far as being that kind of conservative. Now, yeah. whether or not they are – whether or not that extends into more – Social safety net kind of, mm-hmm. you know, small L liberal ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that remains to be seen. We'll see what they do. It is hard for me to say because I've been there, but I've n- never been there long enough to really get a, a feel for, you know, what the climate is politically or anything over there. Mm-hmm. Um so it's hard for me to say. All I can say is what I have heard, which is uh, subjective and anecdotal. I have heard that it leans right. Um, I went during San Sebastian, so um, mm. that was insane and uh, <laughs> not at all my experience. But I don't live there. You know, I never have. Um, I was only to certain areas of Puerto Rico, so I, I really can't tell you what, you know, is going to happen next. Um, I will say that I, if it is true that they are rightward leaning, mm-hmm. uh, it would be to me reminiscent of what happened in Kansas of a dominant right state instituting very conservative policies and effectively going bankrupt. Well, they've already done that. So yeah, well, that's what I mean yeah. is that, there may be a parallel there. Again, this is oh, just you, you mean not a parallel to come, but a parallel that already exists. Yes. Okay. Yeah. If they if they were voted in as a state, it would be like, wow, like we did we not already do this with Kansas? I mean, not that Kansas wasn't already a state, but you get what I mean. Just mm-hmm. the idea of like, oh, look, it's a recurring theme. Yeah, this seems familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Brownback. He did not do good things there. No, so. Kansas was a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Clusterfuck. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think that's that's all the news that I really have uh, that I've wanted to bring in. Other than I know that uh, DC and Maryland are uh, suing Mr. Trump over the travel ban. Uh, no breach of constitutional oath. Okay, I uh, have not heard this. Attorney one, General so for the District of Columbia and the State of Maryland sued President Trump on Monday. So that was like June 11th. Um, mm-hmm alleging that he has violated anti-corruption clauses in the Constitution by accepting millions in payments and benefits from foreign governments since moving into the White House. The lawsuit, the first of its kind brought by the government entities, centers on the fact that Trump chose to retain ownership of his company when he became president. Trump said Mm -hmm. in January that he was shifting his business assets to a trust managed by his sons to eliminate potential conflicts of interest. As we know, that never happened. 
Mm-hmm. And he's still been heavily involved in everything. And, you know, there's no, there's no transparency there, especially when mm-hmm. he brings everybody into the White House anyway and gives them security clearance. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> but D.C. Attorney General Carl A. Racine, Racine? Yeah. And Maryland Attorney General, Att- Attorney General Brian E. Frosch. F-R-O-S-H, Frosch, mm-hmm. said Trump has broken many promises to keep separate his public duties and private business interests. For one, his son, Eric Trump, uh, has said the president would continue to receive regular updates about his company's financial health. The lawsuit, a signed copy of which Racine and Frosch provided to the Washington Post on Sunday night, alleges, quote, unprecedented constitutional violations, end quote, by Trump. I think that's really all they need to say right there. Yeah. But this is the emoluments clause. You know, where the president is not supposed to be able to benefit financially from the office, you know, benefit personally, financially from the office of president and those decisions that they can make. Right. I mean, really, it's the biggest insider trading thing that you could possibly do. Mm-hmm. And he's getting away with it. Would he, would he not do it? I mean, really, is he even capable? No. He's not capable at all. In fact, um, one of his hotels is in a building that was uh, a U.S. post office and is mm-hmm. still owned by the federal government and is leased for, I think it was uh, 60 or 70 years to the Trump Corporation mm-hmm. for that hotel or to that hotel on behalf of the Trump Corporation, one way or the other. Trump's name is on the building. Yep. I remember talking about that before I left. Mm-hmm. So that that right there, I mean, there have been government dignitaries from foreign countries coming in saying, of course I'm going to stay in his hotel. Mm-hmm. Do you think I'm not going to do that and then be able to see him the next day and say, I stayed in your hotel. It was lovely. Mm-hmm. Of course I'm going to do that. Any little bit to stroke this man's ego, of course they're going to do. So – I mean, how how much more evidence do we need to pile on it? I and see that's where that's where my whole thing about if you can't find a common factual reality mm-hmm. to jump off of with these people, you're going to have to talk about things a little more emotionally, um, because. We already have the facts on this. We already have the numbers and existing laws yeah. that say this is not okay, and it doesn't matter because they're acting on emotion. Mm-hmm. So can you really change their you know, ignorance of – and by ignorance in this case, I mean they're ignoring. They know it exists. They're ignoring mm-hmm. the facts. It's a willful ignorance. Right. Their willful ignorance of – what's going on here. Can you really combat that with telling them what they already know? Not really, because they're just going to come up with an emotional reason. I I just ask, I just ask the question, why is it okay? You know what I, what I keep hearing. Why is this okay? You know, make me comfortable with this. Why is this okay? I mean, they can't, but the answers that they come up with uh, are all along the vein of, well, you know, he's just, 
he's going to burn down the system and it, it's going to be different now. And we got to just let him do what he wants to do and see what happens. And uh, because he's going to change things, you know, we just have to let him get settled in and, and things are, and I'm like, that doesn't even address the problem. Yeah. Um, it's like at no point did you address what we were just talking about or they deflect. All of they that go was a to, deflection. Well, Obama yeah. did something that Obama probably didn't even do, and then it becomes a completely different argument. It's like, okay, but he didn't break any laws. This is breaking a law. It's right here. Right. Well, they'll argue all day long that he did in some form or fashion. Zero criminal charges. Oh, no. I understand. Zero indictments. Nothing. But I'm just telling you the kind of argument you're going to get, and when you say something like that, the yeah. kind of argument you're going to get is, well, just because he was ch- wasn't charged, that was just the liberals making sure that nothing happened to him. He really was all, off doing all this stuff. But and I know uh, hey, I'm about to say it. I'm about to go into that argument, but it's well, OK. That's so why, that's, that's only in the only in the very beginning of his presidency did he have enough power in the branches of government to do things like that. Mm-hmm. The rest of his presidency six years of it, he did not have a party majority in in legislature to do anything. But that upsets their emotional narrative of Obama got everything he wanted and the poor conservatives were victimized by all this stuff he he did that he pushed through without any right to push through and all these executive orders. I'm just doing shots of rum now. Just shots. No, no, no. I (laughs) understand. Dude, if I had some alcohol... Down here in my office, that's what I would be doing. Oh, that's good. Okay. <clears throat> but, um, I mean, that's that's basically where they go with it. And if they don't, usually simultaneously with the argument of the GOP were, were hamstrung because Obama had all this power, there's also the argument that comes right after it, which is that Obama couldn't get anything done because he was a lame duck. And magically, he was just unable to pass laws and stuff like that. Like, I, it's it's such a... Yeah. A nonsense take on what actually happened. But that's why I say I was you know, you know, I was falling for the the talking point for a while that we never saw what was in Obamacare mm-hmm. in the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. That nobody did. But the thing is, it was debated right. hotly yeah. on the floor. It was. The Republicans put in all sorts of changes. Mm-hmm. They made it worse. They made it longer. Mm-hmm. They are the ones that put in all the things that made it untenable. Yep. But try explaining that to somebody like my dad. I know. It's like, well, I could show you the different draft document revisions that are available, but are you going but, to care? No, and that's the yeah. thing. Care. Yeah. They are not going to care. You have to make them care. Yeah. Which is why when you're dealing with those people, again, you sometimes have to argue emotionally because it's not about the logic. They will refute that logic or spin that logic into falsehoods or deflect with some other nonsense that you mm-hmm. can't even really argue about because, one, they've derailed the argument. Yeah. Now you're not even getting anything done. Like, and, well, two, you're just in this spiral of never-ending bullshit. Yeah, that I, you're never going to claw your way out of. So I can't, sometimes I can't beat the lizard to, people argument. I can't. Yeah, so sometimes it's obvious, you it's have true. to, you know, 
talk to them differently. Yeah, clearly the Illuminati are involved. I understand that. I understand your point. It's a valid point. And I understand that the lizard people from Planet 10, you know, yes, clearly they were involved. I completely see your point there. But what about the emoluments clause? <laughs> yeah. It's in the Constitution. Yeah, come it on. It's so frustrating to have to entertain people like that. Yeah. That's, but, that is what it's come to. That right yeah, there. It is. It's a, it's a huge cultural problem. Let me concede, let me concede the lizard people, you know. Yeah, fine. Whatever. Fucking yeah. Geico the gecko is. Yeah. But let me concede that, yes, Hillary was eating children in the bottom of a pizza parlor. Sure. I'll oh concede God. that. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Mm-hmm. What about the emoluments clause? Can we talk about Her, the Constitution for a minute? She and Pizza Rat <laughs> are taking over the world with their pedophilia rings. Yeah, sure. Well, okay. Whatever. She didn't win. Yeah, it's not about her, but they'll make it about her if you try to argue with facts. I know, but it's like, she didn't win. Mm-hmm. No, That's I understand. That's the only fact that matters. She didn't. Yeah. <sighs> and, you know, if they wanted to talk about, you know, the the horrible things in, in the Democratic Party, I'm I can saddle up to that. Sure. We can ream that all day long. And then let's get back to the Constitution. <laughs> let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Because, yeah, they, they were stupid. They did this. They did that. Yeah, it was all bad. Yes, there's corruption there. I totally see that. I see it on the, on both sides. I see it there. I see it there. Yes, but they're both, like, doing the same thing. Oh, these two, they flip-flop position. And, you know, there was lots of horse trading there. In order to get this happen, this guy did this, and that guy did that. And everything's, you know, gerrymandered and everything, and blah, 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 blah. <sighs> Lizard people. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So, I think um, I think that's about enough. Fair. <laughs> I think that's about enough. So, uh, before we get into the uh, end of the closing script, uh, if if I was an aspiring author mm-hmm. and I had a manuscript and I needed professional editing, mm-hmm. who should I go to? You should go to Wormwood, uh, Wormwood Publishing and Editing is uh, uh, an extremely experienced uh, company. They've, they've been doing this since 2006, um, editing professionally. They've done everything from textbooks K through 12 for like HarperCollins. Um, they've worked with uh, different publishing houses like Black Dot Group, um, uh, TSI Graphics. Um, they have worked with novels, novellas, genre fiction, um, scientific reports, uh, investigative reports that were used in criminal trials, legal documents. Uh, they've done some work for NASA. Um, oh, really, <laughs> yeah, you really can't get a more varied editing experience. I would call Wormwood bona fide. Yeah. By absolutely. every stretch of the imagination. Absolutely. And what's uh, what's the website? It's uh, www.wormwoodpublishing.com, and Wormwood is spelled with a Y rather than an O. So that's W-Y-R-M-W-O-O-D, and then publishing.com. Excellent. And if we wanted to follow you on uh, on the Twitters? Um, I am at writer underscore Lana, L-A-N-A. Writer Lana. And you should follow me on Twitter because I talk about a lot of things. Um, I share a lot of funny stuff. I talk about some serious stuff. Um, I get into ridiculous uh, skeleton dancing skeleton gif wars with people. 
uh, it's a good time. Dancing Skeleton Gift Wars? Yeah. I've yeah. missed that. I I apparently need to go back through the stream. I got obsessed with Inspirobot the other day. Inspirobot is amazing. Because I was <laughs> I was writing a horror scene. Mm-hmm. And I was fucking around with Inspirobot at the same time. And my brain also did... I had tweeted about it. My brain did this thing where I'm like, all right, I got to get in the mood to, to write this scene. I'm going to write some body horror. And immediately my brain was like, spooky, scary skeletons. And I'm like, no, stop it. And like <laughs> that song got stuck in my head. And I'm like, this is not a, a scary song. Why are you doing this? Like, this is not a song that I can write body horror to. And at the same time, I'm fucking around with Inspirobot. And I generated an, this faux inspirational meme that this thing generates. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it gave me probably the most relevant, uh, really? eerily relevant uh, answer possible, which was like, um, you will know glory through the skeletons. Oh and <laughs> I, I got some great one. Losers kill their loved ones. Fantastic. Uh, it's true. Just a great one. Keep drinking. I, yeah. I think that's an important one, especially uh, with today's day, day and age here. My uh, favorite. A plague uh, is depressing. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, it is. Yeah. My favorite, which was uh, vaguely unsettling and true, was what is wise to a writer is unwise when you're awake. Probably. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got one with a um a uh, an ape scratching his head. There is absolutely no reason not to be screwed. <laughs> it depends on the kind of screwing we're doing. See, you went there again. I, I will always go there. You can rely on me. Excellent. To always go there. And that's wonderful. And that is why you should definitely follow her on Twitter and go check out everything else. So if you've enjoyed what we've done here and you'd like to help us out, there's a few ways. You can donate to the show through www.patreon.com slash O'Reilly Radio. That's patreon.com slash O'Reilly Radio. And get early access to full show content when I happen to be in the country and doing things uh, that that don't make me crazy. Uh, Also... How about you make those algorithms work for us by reviewing us on really whatever platform you found us on and, uh, you know, keep subscribing, would you? Uh, Use your words. Tell somebody about us. That word of mouth advertising is probably the best thing that we could ever have from you. And, of course, engage with us directly. Send us a message on the social medias or the electronic mails at Podcast at gmail.com. Or if you're the more talkative sort, 470-222-6759. That's O-R-L-Y. It's always ready to take your call or your text. And if you don't like what we've done here this evening, you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. The Lifeline provides 24-7 free and confidential support for people in distress, prevention and crisis resources for you or your loved ones, and best practices for professionals. Thank you for choosing to waste your valuable time with us. This has been O'Reilly Radio, part of the Random Acts Company. This work licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 United States license, including the music Rocket and Pamgea, created by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And definitely go out uh, and uh, edit your book. Get to writing. We've wasted enough of your time. You should be writing right now. You should be writing right now. <laughs> Alrighty. Take care, everybody. See you next time.